So what have we got for you on this week's live event? Well, on today's show, we're going to be revisiting a subject that we actually spoke about briefly on one of our live events from last year, specifically the world of gaming for people with sight loss. Now, last year we discussed some of the games that are out there. You might remember we demonstrated one called Ear Hockey, for example. Well, we're going to continue that discussion today to a degree, but as part of that, we wanted to talk a bit more about the community of gamers out there with sight loss. In mainstream ga gaming, there's often that idea of a, a gaming community. There's all sorts of groups who are into all sorts of different kinds of games who, who keep in touch online, make arrangements to play online, etc. Well, on today's show, we're going to be talking to Darwin Gaffney about the gaming group that he's involved in with a focus on gaming for people with sight loss. So that'll be an interesting part a little bit later on. We'll hear a bit about why that group was set up and uh, how you can link in as well if, if you'd like to. Linking into that a little bit later on in our Seeing It Your Way piece, we're going to be talking to the winner of the Amazon Echo device from one of our live events earlier this year. That's Edvard Nevakis, who will talk about his experience of sight loss, as well as interests that include music production and you've guessed the online gaming as well. So that'll be a little bit later on. And before all of that, we're going to have a slightly different Meet the Team piece today. We're not going to be talking to one of our labs team today, rather one of the wider NCBI team. We're going to be chatting to community resource worker Nicola McHugh about her role in NCBI. So all of that is coming up on our show today. But just before we get started this week, if you were with us uh, for last week's show, you might remember that we spoke about the new NCBI website. Now, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, it's, it's well worth a look, especially with all the, the new functions available on it, event booking and all that sort of thing that's available under the My NCBI section of the website. Well, we got a little bit of feedback there. Actually, we've had quite a, a good response to the website overall, but just to mention one particularly, Bob Murphy wrote in to say, to those of you who were instrumental in the construction of the new NCBI website, I raise my hat to you. It is probably the most accessible and well constructed I've seen, and I've been using computers for a long time. So thanks for that feedback, Bob. We're glad that all the work that's gone into the new website is paying off as well. And of course, for, for any more feedback or questions for any of our listeners today, if you, if you have any questions, throughout the show or you want to give us a little bit of feedback, you can get in touch with us at labs at ncbi.ie or you can use the question panel if you're connecting through Microsoft Teams. So either of those two ways, you'll be sure to reach us. Very good, let's kick off our show today by welcoming a newcomer to our live events for Meet the Team. And as we said this week, we're talking to community resource worker Nicola McHugh. You're very welcome, Nicola. Thanks very much, Jude. Sorry, I was just unmuting my mic. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Grant. yeah, that's the, the most repeated phrase at the moment, isn't it? On any of these. I know, and I was ready to go, and then I was still, I was still <laughs> a second too late. But anyway, how are you? Well. Yeah, good. How's life with you, Nicola? I'm fine. Thanks for having me on today. It's a pleasure to be here now. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. So just... on Tuesday evening. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So. 
just to start off with Nicola, maybe give us a bit of an idea of where you're based and how long you've been with NCBI. Yeah, no bother. So as, as Jude said, I'm a community resource worker with NCBI. I'm based in the Port Leash office. So I work with adults in Leash and Offaly. Um, and I started with NCBI just over nine years ago. It was February 2012, actually, when I started with NCBI. So um, the yeah. years are flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you were saying you're you're working Leash Offaly, but the, the accent doesn't sound like a mid Midlands no. accent. Where, where is it you're <laughs> from? I'm glad you said that you <laughs> haven't lost it yet. So <laughs> um, no, I'm actually from Donegal. So um, I suppose what happened was I well, obviously finished school in Donegal and then I went to college in Sligo and I did social studies there in Sligo. Um, I did four years there and then I went a bit further down the road to Galway and that's mm. when, well, no, first of all, sorry, I worked with the Brothers of Charity for five years first, um, working with adults with intellectual disabilities in between day services and residential services. And then I was there for about five years. And then in February 2012, um, the job came up in NCBI in Galway. And I went for that and I was lucky enough to get it. So uh, I started out in the Galway office back in 2012 as a centre assistant. Um, and I worked as a centre assistant for about a year. And then I took over the role of community resource worker um with the there's three community resource workers in the Galway office so I took uh, I got one of those jobs um and I was there for six years until June 2018 and I've been in the Midlands since then so I'm based in Port Leash now and I'm along with Daniel down there the famous Daniel from the labs team. famous Daniel yeah yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> very good we'll be getting Daniel's secrets now on the, on the show today do you know it's interesting Nicola I was chatting we were chatting to um Maureen Lanigan just last weekend right. and when I started working with NCBI Maureen Lanigan was the person who introduced me to the Wexford office taught me a little bit about what was going on with NCBI and it, you know showed me the ropes kind of thing yeah. and I actually remember when I started working with in Galway then you were yeah. the one who met me at the door oh. so it's, it's interesting <laughs> having you on the phone. Go. Uh, <laughs> that's good that's good I hope that was a help anyway dude. <laughs> well let, you know we better not go there now. Yeah. <laughs> No, that no, was great. no. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So tell us a little bit, Nicola. We we mentioned there that you're doing the, the role of community resource worker. Yeah. Maybe just give us a bit of an idea of what that role actually involves. Yeah, no bother. So I suppose the community resource worker is sort of the first protocol for a lot of people when it comes to accessing NCBI. Um, so what would normally happen would be a referral would come in to NCBI. It might come in from an eye specialist, an optician, it might be a self-referral, it could be from public health nurse, various places, a friend, family member. Um, so when the referral comes in, um, it would come to the community resource worker. So uh, so we'll say when it comes to me, what I would do is I make contact first of all over the phone. So that's kind of getting the ball rolling, starting the assessment process. Um, so I'd make a phone call to the individual that's been referred or a family member if that's more appropriate. Um, and we kind of the phone call, I suppose, is just the part, the first part of the assessment, as I said, and it's just to kind of establish things like what the eye condition is, what's going on for that person, how long they've been having difficulties, what difficulties they're having, how it affects them from day to day and that kind of thing. Um, and then from that, assuming the person wants to go ahead with the service, then what I do is I'd make an appointment to carry out, um, I suppose, a more in-depth assessment or the rest of the assessment. Um, um, 
and then that would mean like at that at that point then when you'd meet the person um you would go through all the various things like reading personal care you know mobility daily tasks like cooking household chores that kind of thing um and from that then we sort of figure out where the issues are and try and come up with a plan of how ncbi can help um yeah. and like i suppose the last year it's been a bit different because uh, ideally you'd be meeting everybody face to face and you'd offer an appointment in the office or if somebody was housebound you might do a home visit but yeah. obviously with covid we weren't allowed to do home visits um and some people aren't comfortable coming into the office for appointments so we've had to change up a bit and we've had to offer some virtual appointments as well or virtual assessments sorry like over the phone yeah, yeah. or through teams and look at it's not the same dude but we're we're doing yeah. our best <laughs> i was going to say because it, it it sounds quite broad from from what you were just mentioning there a moment ago about the assessment that you get into it it is quite a broad assessment it's really trying to see the overall impact of of sight loss on a person's life so how, how have you found that over the last year when you're when you're doing that virtually um yeah. how has that gone for you it is quite it is quite difficult um and it's i mean nothing replaces being in the same room with somebody and observing them even and even for things like mobility, somebody might think they're managing quite well, but when you observe them moving around, you can see that maybe they could do with a bit of support and that kind of thing. So I suppose for me personally, a lot of the people that I linked in with over the phone, I'd still, you know, have maybe offered them an appointment when we were back in the office and maybe met yeah. them at a later date, you know, because it is difficult. But I think everybody's very understanding. Um, staff and service users and family members and everything everybody's really understanding and they know that we're doing I suppose everybody's doing their best um and like it's a matter mm. of trial and error sometimes so it could take more than one phone call or more than one virtual assessment to try and get to the bottom of something um might be a matter of sending mm. out some magnifiers for them to try they might all come back none of them might be the right one you know that kind of thing but yeah yeah um yeah it is it isn't easy but we well, I suppose it was, yeah. it's still better than nothing, but we're thankfully we're in a position now where people are coming back in for appointments. Like most people are coming back in or else they're saying, look, I'd give it another few weeks and when I have my vaccination, I'll come in. So yes, um, yes. we're kind of we're back on the right track now again. Feels like we're on the right side of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. What, what else is kind of involved in, in your work at the moment then? Um. So we have, I suppose we have some groups as well that would have been in particular now there's a, a peer support group in Leash that's been running for several years, way before yeah. my time in the Midlands. Um, and they would have met every week for uh, like a chat, a cup of tea, would do a crossword. They'd come in here yeah. to the office in Port Leash. Um, but that obviously came to a standstill last March. Um, and like something like that, it would have been such a shame to to lose it. So thankfully, with the help of with labs and with Daniel in particular, we've it set up now that they they actually meet virtually um, through Microsoft Teams at the same time that they would normally have met face to face. Um, and we have a chat as well and we do a crossword or try and not talk about COVID. <laughs> I think that's yeah, the yeah. main thing. <laughs> but so, so that's one of the things. Um, I suppose there's been a lot of phone support due to be honest um yeah. be on the phone a lot i don't think i've ever been on the phone as much in the last yeah, year yeah. the phone's yeah. constantly on charge like you'd be on the phone a lot just checking in with people and that kind of thing um yeah. but also there would have been um one of the i suppose one of the most successful groups that i was 
kind of involved in with since I started with the NCBI would have been a thing called a low vision self-management program. Um, yeah. And it's basically just a group where people get to link in with others that are in a similar situation, maybe recently referred to NCBI or maybe a recent deterioration in vision. Um, and we would go, we would facilitate this group and go through different aspects of sight loss. But we haven't been able to do that face to face either this year. So um, I've been involved in a working group since last year with three of three of my colleagues, three other CRWs, um, Michelle Withers, Lisa Brown and Dave McCall. Um, we've all been working at setting up or developing like um, a virtual version of that course and it's called yeah. the ADAPT program. So the ADAPT program is kind of running throughout the year for anybody that needs that extra support as well. Um, so things like that. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, you said that, that Daniel was helping out there. Are you only going to say good things about Daniel? Oh, yeah, I better. I suppose oh, I have to sit beside him in the shame. office. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's quite he's, he's very thankful there. It's, it's a long day from nine o'clock to five in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, very good. Well, it's been great to catch up with you, Nicola, Hi. and to hear a, a little bit more about the, the role of the community resource worker and how that's kind of had to adapt and change over the, the last year as well. So it's yeah. been great to have you on the show, Nicola. It's a million, Jude. Thanks for having me. All right. Very good. So okay. that was uh, Nicola Hello. McHugh and uh, what we should probably call at this stage, the expanded, meet the expanded team. <laughs> it's a little bit more than just the labs team now. So great to hear about some of the other work that's going on around NCBI. So our thanks to Nicola McHugh there. Now let's move on to our discussion about accessible gaming and to talk to us about that we have on the line Darwin Gaffney. You're very welcome Darwin. Hello Jude, great to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, good to have you on the show this week. Maybe just to start us off Darwin, you could talk to us a little bit about maybe the, the kind of the gaming landscape for people with sight loss. Well, the gaming landscape, uh, well, it's just not very much gaming about uh, mm -hmm. access or anything like that, really, at the moment. There mm -hmm. is one major game available, which is for the PlayStation 4. It's mm -hmm. called The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that's, um, that was made in America, and um, they brought, they got a man on board, um, his um he had a big huge input into the game he he's blind himself um okay. and he helped develop the game and design it and it is totally accessible for uh, partially impaired or okay completely blind people you know okay yeah that's it interesting so that's a big kind of mainstream mainstream yeah game. that's, that's yeah. mainstream they, they done that through uh, naughty dog now right. they have that on their system, so it's always going to be there. Now mm. I don't know money wise how much was spent on it and stuff, but they have that system there, so that'll always be there. So any games they produce from now on, they will have that base there. So yeah. it's it's looking good in, in, in terms of PlayStation games, Xbox or anything else like that. Interesting, they, yeah. They don't have much at the moment. Yeah. Um, there is, there is a couple of games available with, you know, you have your your voice activation and stuff like that. But 
at the moment. You know, it, there's there's nothing really out there. Not not big yeah, yeah. main games anyway. So, the likes of yeah, so if that's kind of the, the main one that's a, a kind of a big title, if you like, what what are some of the lesser known ones out there? Or are there many lesser known games maybe that uh, have been designed with that uh, perspective well, in mind? You see, there's not a broad base. You're, you're talking the likes of, of, of that game would be kind of, you know, rated 15s or, or 18s. Mm. But the, the, the likes of games for kids and stuff, you know, there's not not that much, and mm. you know that's that's the problem. There's not mm. much available. There is on like the likes of if if you know if if you're a parent and you have a child mm. who's blind or mostly sighted, you know there is uh, websites. Uh, there's one in particular, Wonder Baby, it's called, mm. and on that you you have there's a whole selection, a whole list of of, of different games. But again, you would have to have a PC. And, yes. Yeah. Um, if you have that, well, then it's it's free online. There's uh, two in particular, pizza games, it's called. And that game would be for, it's it's letters. And mm. it's a letter game. And there's, there's a number of games on it. But there's another one that's called Ballyland. And it is designed to encourage kids to interact with the computer keyboard. Yeah, and okay, it's, yeah. it's it's partially sighted or blind kids, and it gets them kind of used to the keyboard, the layout of the, of the buttons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, but other other than that, you know, there's there's not a huge mm. a huge list of games, if you will. You know, at the moment. I've heard anyway. of uh, yeah, I've heard of one or two such as uh, kind of almost like text based games, but being used yeah. through like the the Alexa device or something like that. I don't know if you've had any experience yeah. of any of those. I have uh, through through Alexa, yes, I have um I have taken part in, 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 in a general quiz hmm. on on Alexa. And it was it was actually I was surprised. It was very good. Um it was <laughs> there was must have been about maybe eight or nine of us that took part in it and it was very good now. There is a yeah. couple of other games that's on Alexa. Yeah. Now I'm I'm not um I wasn't myself that hosted it, but it was an, it was a couple of women that hosted it, and it, yeah, it yeah. was it was very very good. Now. Yeah, very good. Um, now on the on the line with us, by the way, just in case uh, you hear another voice at any point, we have Sean Dorn with us as well uh, from NCBI, of course. So Aaron. Sean might be dipping in and out. Yeah. I was just going to ask uh, about um. Have you tried many audio-based games such as like a Blind Legend or I think one we played in the past was Fear, it's an endless runner, but they are phone-based games. No, I haven't. I haven't tried them. Um, I did hear of the, the first one you mentioned there, the Blind, Blind Legend. Le Legend, yes. So um, Fear, I think it's spelled F. Sorry, go on ahead. I think I think fear it's spelled F E E R and fear with um it's like an endless runner so you're constantly running down a corridor and when you're wearing earphones if you hear a sound from the left something's attacking you from the left so you swipe right to jump to the right to move out of the way so you, okay. you can either run through the middle through the left or through the right hand side and depending on the sound and if you hear a sound overhead you'd swipe down to duck so I know a lot of games are kind of building in that kind of audio end of it, like an audio 
yes. uh, sort of adventure. And I, that, that, I know that's one sort of alternative to people who might not want to play. I know you're saying like the the, the pizza games, puzzle based things, someone just might want like an adventure or kind of just like a, you know, a game just to run out a few minutes. Mm. And, and, and it's much in the same vein, we tried um, ear hockey um, last year and it's a Microsoft based one. And it's it's through your laptop or PC, and it's the same thing as like pong, but you might hear the ping pong ball coming on the left hand side. Mm -hmm. You'd hear it bouncing off a wall, and then you can move the paddle left or right and hit it. And actually, the audio based games like that do work quite well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to hear the different varieties of games, and uh, maybe stay stay on the line there, Sean, as well, if you can, because it's it's just interesting to hear that that kind of variety. Because we, we talked at the start about. The fact that um, maybe there's there's limited games out there, but actually it's useful for people to hear when there are uh, different types of games as well, because I think even from the discussion so far, we've kind of covered a, a little bit about maybe um, mobile devices. We've talked about PC games and console games. Is there quite a difference between what's available in each one of those sort of technologies? Well, you see, it's there would there would be a difference uh, again. The PC would probably be better advanced and and stuff like that. Um, mm. At the moment, especially with a mobile device, you know your mm. mobile is only with gigabytes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I I would play games on my phone, um, but again, I'm not too bad in the mornings and 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 throughout the day. It's in the evenings my vision would really deteriorate. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't play that much. But I do have a, a PS4 and, and when I can I would try and get on and play, you know, whatever I could, Call of Duty or, or what have you, but come the evenings now I wouldn't be able. Yeah. Uh, for people though that is, you know, blind, um, you know, you would you would have to get screen readers or stuff like this, you know, that that is available. I do know that there is big steps being made in the, the gaming world, uh, yeah. especially with PlayStation. Um, this year seems to be a very big year for, for them, and thank God, because you know there hasn't been much available. Yes. I don't think they were aware of how big the community was, you know, for visually impaired blind people, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it is interesting just to hear that, that um, kind of, uh, differentiation as well, I suppose, because when we're talking about accessible gaming, there still is that that difference between if if somebody has some site and can use magnification, for example, um, yeah. that that's maybe quite a different thing than if somebody has no site to be able to make a a game completely accessible. And I, I know yeah. because of the PlayStation, um, Darwin had a magnifier on a previous version and maybe this version doesn't on the, on the latest PlayStation. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the the, the the new one, the PS5, they have um, really kind of stepped forward in, in their accessibility to, to, to especially blind people, especially in the controller of it. I believe the controller has um, different sensors on it, on the actual yeah. controller, and it vibrates in certain games. Now, I don't have a PS5. Um, I've only heard of this. But the, even the with the PS4, you know, you have like a speaker in the controller, and I believe the PS5 has the same thing, and it 
kind of enhances with with certain games, you know, the sounds, as you were speaking earlier about if you were going down a corridor and you heard something on your left, you know, it would kind of slightly vibrate in a certain spot, which would yes. let you know something was coming up on your left or there is something on your left that you need to maybe select or, or what have you, you know. Yeah. But um, again, it just seems to be at the moment PS5 and yeah. doesn't seem to be making yeah. any steps at all towards helping. It'll be interesting to see how that develops as well. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that is that is that a thing, Darren, where like they're like they're they're adding features like a screen reader to read the menu, they've they've got other features there, but they yes. need feedback on it. The more people that say, Well, that's a good feature, keep that up, or this feature isn't great, that could be made better. Because I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm always a, 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 in the belief of unless people are being told it's good, they mightn't continue it. And then unless they're told how it's not working correctly, they'll never get fixed. Well, so you see, this is, this is the thing. As I was speaking about earlier, the, the uh, Last of Us 2, um, the man that uh, helped them develop it, Brandon Cole, you call him, um, we, we have actually uh, had conversation with him and he is a lovely man and he um he is completely blind and he um he helped develop that he's actually signed with them and, and he's now with Naughty Dog. They developed the game. So um he he is says that, you know, we're definitely gonna be working on other games, not not just The Last of Us. It, it was a broad, you know, variety of genre of, of games coming out in the near future. So yeah. Fingers crossed, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's looking good, a lot better now than it was, you know, even five years ago, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting actually just kind of having established that and a little bit about the kind of landscape that's out there for uh, gamers with sight loss. Has there been much of a presence of people with sight loss in the gaming community? We talked just in the introduction about the the kind of idea of gaming communities. Has that been very much a, a, a presence up to now? No, not, it wasn't, but I, be, I believe mm. now, you know, especially I, I'm involved with a group and um, the, 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 we're, we're, um, we're surprised with the amount of people that is looking to get involved with, you know, yeah. join the group and, and give their side and what they'd like to see happen and you know everybody is different and obviously with, with, with sight loss there's loads of different things that can happen and stuff, yeah. problems that you have and you know the different views of it, it's you know there is a lot of opinions out there. Yeah so, so maybe tell us a little bit more actually about that group that you've got developed well, there. Well the, the, the group that uh, I'm involved with is the RNIB. I, I actually live in Portadown at the moment and mm. in Northern Ireland the RNIB is more or less the equivalent of the NCIB yourselves and um, getting involved with them I got, got involved with the gaming group and yeah. we have a, a meeting every Thursday and it's done through Google Meets. We meet yeah. for an hour every Thursday and at the start, there was maybe eight or nine members on and we were kind of, you know, just generally talking about what we played and all the rest of it. And then we says, oh, we make up a wish list. 
And funny enough, one of those wishes that was on our list for this year was to try and get Brandon Cole and have a conversation with him. And he, we, we did. And uh, he came yeah. on and he was speaking away about his his you know problems when he lost his vision and stuff like this and um how he be- got involved he more or less started off as we did how yeah. uh you know he got a, he, he played games he always loved games like ourselves and basically how there was no there was no accessibility for us you know and that's what we have yeah, done yeah. now we meet every week we talk and now we're we're getting together and obviously with COVID and stuff we can't mm. actually meet but hopefully around the corner it, it settles down and we do get to meet and yeah, yeah. we do get the, get in touch with these developers yeah. and, and let them know that you know there is a huge audience out there and now, we'd like that, to get yeah. accessible to that, that was quite a, an interesting and a good kind of starting point as well um, with the RNIB gaming group, but that developed on a little bit further as well, didn't it? It did, yes. Uh, you see, as I had said, we only meet for an hour uh, once mm. a week. So we kind of always found that the hour was gone in the blink of an eye, basically. So um, a member on the Ian, he, um, he decided he was going to set up a Discord so um, he set it up and he he welcomed us all. He says anybody wants to join can join. You can download the app on your phone and and join that way or on yeah. your PC. And so, um, so just before we go any further, just for anybody who's thinking about the who's hearing the name Discord, if they don't know what a Discord is, can you just explain what that is? Well, the Discord is it's it's an app. It's basically an app that you, you would that I downloaded on my phone, and mm. um, if you are interested, obviously what you have to do is download the app. You have an you have to set up an ID. So once your ID is put in, then you know you would get in touch with some of us. As I say, mm. my yourself, you you know my email or my mobile yeah. number. Anybody is welcome to join Discord. It's it's not it is set up for visually impaired people or blind people. I mean we started off with eight or nine people and and it's now over fifty that has joined and it's not just Northern Ireland or Ireland, it's England, Wales, America, you know, we've members from from Denmark. But um it's it's not just, you know, about gaming. There's somebody there every minute of every day. If you have you just wanna talk, you wanna rant and rave about something there's somebody there to listen to you yeah we yeah have different sections on it there's like obviously there's a general talk channel you can it's also you can ring and, and speak to somebody on the phone yeah there's um, a section there for like arts or just blogs um, yeah you know there's, there's loads of different sections on it and that's what we set well body in set it up for originally uh so it's we could just generally talk whenever we wanted. And based on what we were doing when we were meeting on, on the uh, Google Meets with RNIB, we found that the hour was gone quick and we yeah. had more to say. So that's why the Discord was set up. And once that was set up, then we were always in touch with each other. And yeah, yeah. And, uh, we were blown away by how big it's got, uh, you know, in so little time. 
Brilliant. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even three months. It's not even three months like that. Uh, yeah. And I suppose that's exactly what we were talking about earlier, the idea of connecting and the idea of a yeah. gaming community. It sounds like that's the kind of, th that's the environment for it almost. Yeah, that's it. And uh, as I say, there's there's also a couple of um, publishers and stuff like this on it, developers and and all with, there's a company called Softleaf Studios. They're based in Belfast. They, yeah. They're actually in the Discord and they have, they have asked us for, our input and what we'd like to see happen in 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 a game development wise, and they've asked us to you know help play a game, and and they, they that they have to design, test yeah. it, see what it's like, what changes would we like to see happen in the game, and you yeah. know it's 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 um it's very good. We're we're blown away by the fact that they they are actually on the Discord and yeah, asking yeah. us. You know, you don't. You, we set it up, and um, we were like just eight random people. Obviously, yeah. partially some of are blind, but we weren't expecting a, a company to come on and then offer. Look, you know, if you can help us out, you know, it, it's 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 amazing. But yeah, thankfully yeah. has has took off, and, and as they say, you know, there's members from all over the world. That yeah, there and they can go to whomever. There's, yeah. there is, you know, help there. We have an advice, you know, if if people that may be depressed or anxiety or stuff like that, you know, there's there's always help there. There's always some. That's the message, you know. There's always yeah, yeah. There. Don't be alone. Don't be feeling down. Yeah. You have nobody to speak to or talk to. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, I think that other element that you mentioned there is a is a great one because as Sean was saying earlier, the feedback. To people who are developing games is a, a really important part of this so for for that connection to be there and for this uh, you mentioned there i think there's anybody can join that discord channel if they if they want to be involved in giving that kind of feedback yeah anybody at all anybody at all there's we're, we're you know i i'm actually one of the administrators on it and we we monitor everything that's that's set on it so there's there's no kind of bullying or you know wrong language or you know anything like that you yeah. know especially especially if there was a, a younger member say a teenager or whatever it doesn't matter everything's monitored anybody yes. that that messes about you're 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 gone that's it there's yeah, no yeah. there's there's no in between it's just we're there to help people to talk to people to learn about different games if they're they're out there in a, another part of the world or that mm. we haven't heard of over here or wherever. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. what it's all about. I mean, uh, when I became blind and I lost my eye, that that was, if, if it was set up back then, it would have been, you know, a yeah, huge yeah. help for me. Yeah. And that's, so, you know, what we'd like to get out. Yeah, so just tell us how, if somebody wanted to connect in with that, how they would, Go about it, or who do they need to get in touch with? Well, if they need to get in touch with with anybody, you can always, you know, email me. My email address is darwingaffney37 at gmail.com. Email me, I'll send you a link, and then all you have to do then is set it up on your your phone or your PC, click on it, and that that's you. We do ask okay. whoever joins just to there's a section there just to introduce yourself. Yeah basically say your name you know if you want to uh, you know share a bit of, a little bit about yourself or yeah. where you're from that, yeah, yeah. that's okay and then 
you know, there's as I said already, there's always somebody there. Yes, always. yeah, very good. Just before we kind of finish up this, Darwin, I, I think that that kind of that game and group that you've got going there and the, the ability to feed back to the, the organisations and and provide support to to each other as a as a community based kind of thing. Um, I, I think that's a really good, interesting initiative, but we'd love to get maybe just a bit of your opinion on some of the other um, developments that are happen, happening in gaming as well. We, we picked up on a new development earlier today with new software being developed called um, Mars Vision. I don't know if you've read about it, but they describe it as being an application that monitors gameplay in real time and assists the player in navigating the game's environment and menus. Using a neural network, Mars Vision doesn't change the gameplay present in a game. Rather, it translates gameplay so that the player has the information they need to immerse themselves fully in the world. So it's kind of an interesting one. To be honest, I'm not sure. I'd love to actually see this in action and know exactly how they're getting about this. But when you hear about um, developments like that, have you any kind of thoughts on those sort of initiatives? That is huge. That that is a huge, huge step. That is going to help so many people, especially blind people. That is that is major. That's what I think about it now. To be honest, I haven't had a chance to to, to try it. I do believe that they're currently closed, uh, closed mm. beta. They're mm. they're still kind of testing and stuff. Yes. But yeah. it um that that will be that will be huge help to to people that are you know yeah. visually impaired and blind. Yeah. It will be it will be from from even what you've just said there, you know, um not changing the game in any way, but just helping and, yes. and kind of informing the, the player about the game and stuff. It's oh it's going to be huge. Really, Can you really see nice. there being other kind of big developments in the next few years with with gaming? Has there been anything that, that specifically you're kind of thinking, oh yeah, we could do with this. If they just introduce this, this is a, a big turning point now in the next few years yeah well that it will just that there super.com mars vision that that is going to be huge definitely mm-hmm. the fact that um playstation now well not so much playstation but naughty dog now have actually you know basically hired a, a, a man that's completely blind to help them that that's major that is huge because they now realize that there is you know, an audience there, a huge audience worldwide, yeah. that w- that that w- are looking to get a game that they can, or not just a game, just games in general. Yeah, yeah. And you know, definitely, definitely, I can, I can definitely see in the next two, three years, games coming out that you know will be accessible to partially sighted blind people. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and. Thank God, because I I know there there's there's not much out there at the moment. I yeah. don't know iPhones um iPhones. I don't have an iPhone, but iPhones do have certain amount of games on it that are mm. accessible to, to blind people. But um, definitely in 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 two years, I think definitely there will be a, a selection of games out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe that the fact that PlayStation have done it, Xbox are going to let follow. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. one you know, doesn't want to be outdone by the other, so absolutely, yeah, yeah. Xbox definitely will will come back with something, and it'll probably try and outdo PlayStation. So, 
yeah. that that's good. that can only be a good thing for partially sighted blind people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Darwin, it's been great to hear about how your group is continuing to grow, and I'm sure there'll be a, a number of people interested in connecting in with you as well. Do you want to just repeat your email address there if anybody does want more information? It's darwingaffney37 at gmail.com. There's no spaces or there's no capital letters. Um, email me, no problem, and I will try and get you connected to Discord. Brilliant. Everybody. Very good. Everybody. That's great. Very good. So thank you very much, Darwin, and uh, thanks thank very you, much Joe, for coming on to the show this week. No problem at all. Take care and thank you. Take care. Very good. A reminder, of course, that if you want to catch up on those details again, you can catch the show again on YouTube or on any of the major podcast platforms. Now, this week on our Seeing It Your Way piece, we've had the opportunity to catch up with Edward Navakis, who was one of our competition winners on, our, on one of our live events earlier in the year. Well, we caught up with Edvard to talk about his experience growing up with sight loss and the role that technology has played in his life as well. So let's hear from him now on this week's Seeing It Your Way. So this week on Seeing It Your Way, we're delighted to have Edvard Navakis with us. You're very welcome to the show, Edvard. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be here. So, Edvard, tell us just a little bit about your story, maybe your your background of sight loss. Okay, so I was born in Lithuania, and I was born premature with the eye condition retinopathy of prematurity, and what that basically is is um, you might have a little bit of vision or uh, non-vision. So, like for example, I have like light perception a bit of light perception and some shadow movements as well. But that's pretty much all I have. OK, OK. And was that kind of that's that's what you've had up throughout your life, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Obviously, that would have been kind of uh, a challenge in different circumstances. Was that something that you were quite kind of aware of that as you were growing up? Or at what age would you say that you kind of you actually had an understanding of sight loss? Well, let's say I was like about, I don't know, maybe 10 or something, like when I okay. realized um, finally that, you know, it's it's not, I can't really see that much and things like that. And, and I tried and I started to use a computer when I was 10 years old by mm -hmm. learning how to type using JAWS and learning how to use Skype and Microsoft Word apps. Interesting, yeah. Okay, and was that done through school? Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, and um, were, were you over here in Ireland at that stage? Yeah. So what what sort of a difference did, did that make to you then at, at that point? Because obviously learning um, those different uh, software programs, learning to type is quite a big step for anybody with, with sight loss. What, what sort of an impact did that make on your life? So basically, I was I started to be in creative writing, started to like write little stories on Microsoft Word and saving them into the files. I was thinking of becoming an author one time until I found out that I'm actually more into music than than books. But okay. um, then I was then I joined social networking about when I was like 14 years of age, like Facebook and stuff like that, and I found it really interesting to like stay in touch with my friends and 
and stuff like that. It was it really had a big change, to be honest. It really made my life really interesting. Yeah, very good. So even even that kind of communication element is a, a massive thing, really. And and I can imagine that, particularly if you were learning that just just before you hit the teen years as well, that would have been a, a kind of important time to to be able to develop those those kind of communication the the contacts, if you like. Yeah, exactly. And like when I was learning how to use a keyboard, I didn't really know the layout. I I couldn't really memorize the layout at first. But then, as the time went went um, by, I I was I started to get used more and more to it. So very good. So obviously, uh, that was something that you you uh, learned early enough on that you're. I'm sure you're flying with it now that it's kind of second nature to you now. But what what is your kind of everyday routine at the moment? So basically what I do now is I have a YouTube channel and I publish different content such as music and singing and technology content for other people who have sight loss, such as like demonstrating like such as like how to's demonstration of other apps and features on an iPhone, sometimes actually gaming videos as well. And mm. yeah, stuff like that. So it's yeah, it, it keeps me going. So and I believe you have uh, kind of other interests as well, other than the um, the YouTube channel for um, for sight loss videos. You, you do a little bit more content as well for for YouTube. Is that right? Yeah, like I said, I do singing videos. I'm in technology, like and music and singing. So like, and I go to Walton's music school as well. Okay. At the moment, I do yeah, online lessons, though. So yeah. 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 Okay. So tell me just a bit about how that works for you then. So you're using um, maybe YouTube or you're you're creating content for your for your podcasts. How how does that work with the um, computer software that you use. Do you use like a, a screen reader, for example? Yeah, I use NVDA and it works perfectly fine. Like if I'm doing a live stream, it works really easy. All I have to do is just click the live stream button and just customize a few steps here and there until it starts recording and then press the down arrows, press the arrow keys to check if it's recording. And if it's recording, like it tells me that it's recording, I think. And yeah, so I basically then uh, get on with it. Yeah, so some of the things that you'd be doing content with or doing demonstrations, it's actually a benefit to have the the uh, screen reader reading away and talking away and being heard by your audience. Is there times when maybe that isn't the best thing? Are you, are you able to cut that out fairly easily? Yeah, sometimes I do turn the speech off, like say if I'm using voiceover, I turn the speech off and it's it doesn't talk then. Yeah, OK. And uh, and that doesn't pre present too much of a, a challenge to you then? No, it doesn't. Very good. OK, so tell me, you sound a little bit like um, a lot of this stuff sort of comes second nature to you. Are you are you quite a techie anyway? Yeah, I am. Yeah, like I've got as well as having a laptop, I'm using an iPhone with voiceover, an Apple Watch with voiceover and the Echo Dot. And I also have the Google Home Mini. OK, very good. 
and uh, I think one of those as well was one that you uh, you, you won on one of our live events, I believe. Yeah, yeah, through the uh, code audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting good use out of that? <laughs> sure, I'm. Yeah, like have a bit of fun with it. Actually, like play quiz games and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, tell me what what do you think of the smart speakers? How do you find them? Kind of every day, do you, do you find them quite useful? Do you do you get a lot of use out of it? Yeah, like I use my Google Home to check upon the news sometimes and to listen to my music and things like that. And I did try to use the Echo Dot for actually calling people. So it's, yeah. it's, it's actually yeah. works really well. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Very good. Yeah, it's interesting just some of the developments in technology, isn't it? It's It'll be interesting yeah. to see what way it goes in the next few years, particularly with AI and things like that. Do you use um, many different types of apps or anything that particularly helps you to get the most out of your phone yeah so i use the seeing ai app and i mainly use it for currency recognition so for example if i'm ordering myself a takeaway and the person on the phone tells me the price and then i just organize my cash uh, open up the seeing ai and check how much um cash it is Mm. and it tells me like how much how much euros and i and then i just um take the note that I need it and just basically yeah wait on it. Brilliant yeah brilliant the um, seeing AI app is definitely one of the ones that uh, has made a big impact on people I think. Um, so tell me when, when you use that for a currency is that only working for notes can you use that on coins as well? No unfortunately no. It's only okay so yeah. just okay yeah very good. It's interesting actually to hear you mentioning that I don't think we've had anybody on the live events um, before who's mentioned the, the currency feature, but it is a, a very useful one on seeing AI. Um, any other kind of technology or, or apps that you've used over the years that uh, that you've found has made a, a big difference? If I was to say, actually, if I change that question around maybe a little bit, what would you say over the course of your life has made the biggest impact? What what sort of technology has made the biggest impact on your life? I'd say basically um, everything that I have at the moment, like um, an iPhone, for example, because like mm. I didn't really have. Um, well, I did had a button phone, uh, like two button phones, but they they really weren't as good as an iPhone. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, as for now, like. I'm using on my iPhone like WhatsApp and things like that and Facebook yeah. Messenger. So yeah. Yeah. How long would it have taken you now with with um your iPhone to learn the accessibility features, to learn how to use your iPhone? So basically when I first got my uh, my first iPhone, which was the 4S back in 2011, um I didn't actually yeah. know anything about voiceover. So w- what what really had um, inspired me to get it is uh, Siri. So like my yeah. mom, I think, was telling me about um, the Siri feature and I was like, oh, OK, that's interesting. And yeah, so for the while I was I was just using Siri and it wasn't too, too bad, even though if I, if I was receiving a call back then, it wasn't announcing who was calling because like it was kind of back in yeah, older yeah. iOS versions. Yeah. But 
But then accidentally, actually, I discovered that there is such a thing as voiceover. Like when I, yeah, yeah. when I just thought about it, like, wait a minute, is there a way with people with titles who use, um, is there a software or anything? So I just looked it up on YouTube and bam, I found it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it took a while for me to get hang of the gestures. So like basically what I was doing first is just dragging my finger on the screen to memorize the layout and stuff like that. And then just kind of double tapping the screen when I when I hear what I the thing the option that I want. Yes. Uh, so it was yeah. I was a bit slow when I first started started using that, but as the time went on again I build up my speed. Yeah, very good. Were you ever tempted at any point to switch over towards uh, the Android products? Yeah, I I actually did had an experience with Android as well, because since my 4S was updated to iOS 8, VoiceOver was freezing and it wasn't really working for me really well. So I was I was just oh my god, I'm switching to Android. I'm, I can't take this anymore. So I did have yeah. a Galaxy S5. I did have a Galaxy S5 for quite a number of years and I didn't find it too bad either like it was really mm. good as well but um, I did hear that TalkBack has improved now but like back then when I had my Galaxy S5 yeah like I said it wasn't too bad but it wasn't the best either. Yes yeah yeah Apple seemed to get there a little bit ahead didn't they with a lot of those features and they did it so well um, but definitely some some good features coming out with Android now as well, and uh, we've uh, talked just recently about the the uh, new features on TalkBack as well. So, if we were just to kind of round it up and just think about some of the maybe the advice that you would give to somebody else as they're coming to terms with sight loss, maybe maybe uh, somebody's a little bit afraid of getting into the technology side of things. Any advice that you would give to them? Yeah, so what I will basically say is just take it all by step. Like if you want to learn how to use a particular thing or if you want to learn how to use a particular piece of tech, yeah, just take it all by step and you will eventually get there. Mm. Sure, yeah. um, I was the one, for example, um, for example, my girlfriend didn't know how to use voiceover and I was the one who actually told her about this feature and now she's flying at it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, so it's uh, it, it's just a step-by-step -step process. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Do you want to give us a little bit of a plug before we go for your YouTube channel? Yeah, so if you would like, if any of the listeners would like to subscribe, it's my first name and my last name. So it's E-D-V-A-R-D and then followed by space and then N for November, A-V-A-C-K-A-S. That's N-A-V-A-C-K-A-S. So great. If you Very if any good. of the listeners would like to subscribe, you're more than welcome. Very good. Well, it's been great to chat to you, Edward. Appreciate you coming on to our live event this week and uh, we'll catch up with you again sometime. Yeah, thanks very much, you thanks. Very good. So that was Edward Navakis. And of course, if you want to catch that interview again, you can hear it back on YouTube. You might even come across some of Edward's content there as well. Now, on this week's quick tips. We thought that it'd be good to, to highlight a tip that actually we've mentioned on one of our bigger pieces on our live events about PDFs. JP, what's our quick tip for this week? 
Hello, Jude. Yes, uh, so a quick tip this week is in relation to reading PDF files with a screen reader, something as you mentioned that we've touched on in previous live events. Um, so it's probably fair to say that it's a file format that we all come across from time to time, the PDF. Uh, we see it in websites, um, emails, both on our computer and on our phones. And I know, for example, our own quarterly Insight magazine newsletter is made available and released in PDF too. Um, perhaps one of the reasons as well, pointing out here, what we're pointing out here, that the PDF is so popular is that it can be read and shared by anyone at all, regardless of the device you're using. So whether it's a Mac you're using, Windows computer, iPhone, Android phone, for example, we should all be able to read PDFs with a screen reader reasonably well, provided, of course, that the PDF is accessible. Yeah, um, yeah. so uh, there is an option uh, to open and read a PDF in a browser, such as Edge or Chrome. And that's one mm. option there. But what we would recommend doing instead, actually, is to download the PDF file on your computer or phone and then open it in Acrobat Reader. So yeah. what we'd yeah, what we've found is that this will provide a much better reading experience compared to opening the PDF directly in a browser. So Very it's a short tip, it's a quick tip, but it's something uh, just to bear in mind when you're reading a PDF document uh, with a, and uh, with a screen reader, uh, such as, for example, the NCBI Quarterly Insight magazine. Yeah. Very good. So you'll you'll find a lot more information on on our live event that we discussed about um, yeah. PDFs. But certainly, as a as a quick kind of starting point, if you're struggling with PDFs, particularly if they're opening in a browser, just try that of downloading yeah. and, and opening and up opening and an Acrobat. Acrobat Reader. Exactly. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very handy. Quick tip. Thank you very much, JP. And uh, moving on to our tech help this week, Daniel, a, a question is coming in. Uh, regarding upgrading to Windows 10. What can you tell us about that? Um, well, yes, you can. In most situations, you can, Jude. Um, laptop, uh, laptops and computers, there's lots of, uh, well, there's lots of parts in them, whether I should say moving parts. <laughs> um, so the, the thing is with your software, if you're not on Windows 10, like the older Windows 7 operating system, um, actually it's it's gone over a year since it's gone into what Microsoft called um, their end of life phase. So from that date, uh, Microsoft has stopped releasing patches, updates and fixes for the Windows 7 operating system. So unfortunately that just kind of means for people who are still on Windows 7 um, and indeed Vista and XP before, yeah. The the newer software that's coming out, you know, your browser gets updated, your Adobe Reader gets updated, even your screen reading and magnification software gets updated. And eventually, um, you know, the things that you will find you'll want to do will start not working anymore on Windows 7. So when when yeah. that it usually takes a couple of years, I suppose, after the end of life for, for these things to kind of start hitting home with people. So it, it probably coming around to that stage now in Windows 7, things are starting to stop working, you know, or newer stuff won't work on, I should say. Um, so people are probably looking at updating to Windows 10. Now, unfortunately for some people that might have missed the boat, Microsoft actually did give an offering of a free upgrade to Windows 10 for a year. That yeah. was back, gosh, about three, four years ago, I think. Um, so if you missed a boat on that, um, yeah, you're probably you're probably going to have to spend a few euro to get um, a Windows 10 license and upgrade. Now, one thing I will put in is if your if your hardware is of good strength, you know, if you've good amount of RAM there, if you've got a good amount of um, processing power under the bonnet, and you just happen to be stuck on Windows 7, it might be uh, worth 
worth an investment to get maybe a solid state drive at, at, at the point of upgrading to Windows 10 for the reason being is when a solid state drive is fit to your machine, it's actually blank. Um, so it, it, you need probably some technical help or support from, you know, from maybe your local technician or whatever uh, mm. to inst install that Windows 10 for you and maybe transfer over existing software and like that. So sometimes it can go hand in hand. Um, and in particular, Windows 10 works absolutely fantastically quick on a solid state drive. So if you were making the leap and you say, mm, I have a decent spec laptop I don't like to throw it out but the Windows 7 is kind of yeah. twisting my rubber arm on that <laughs> might be might be worth a, a visit to your local um computer store and see um can can they fit a solid state drive and load on uh Windows 10 for you and um, mm -hmm. you'll have to set up obviously your software again you know just like you would if you bought a, a brand new laptop out of the factory so yeah. there is um on the Microsoft uh, Windows 10 download site it will give you kind of minimum requirements in your machine to run Windows 10 so it's well worth checking those out. Yeah. Um, and there's there's even a little guide on on um, a website called theverge.com on how to upgrade uh, Windows 7 to Windows 10. That's if you're keeping your existing um, hard drive there. But um, plenty of food for thought on that. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Probably yeah. a bit more of a quick tip um, <laughs> than normal. And but. But yeah, and to be honest, yeah, it's a good it's a good piece of um, kind of uh, information on just having like a dual upgrade for a very low cost. Basically, yeah. a, a, a machine that isn't isn't ready to be thrown out to to really refresh it quite a bit is that's quite a good tip as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely, very worth, good. Uh, definitely worth considering or looking into it anyway and see is it feasible. Yeah, um, yeah, you know. So that's it. That's it. Very good. Thank you very much, Daniel. So there's the answer for our listeners who were looking for information on upgrading to Windows 10. And we'll be back, of course, next week with our uh, quick tips and tech help next week as well. So if you have any questions, please do get them into us. And a reminder again that if you want a bit more of a hand with any of the subjects we spoke about today or any of the, the weeks that we've had our live events or any other um, technology that that uh, you're struggling with, you can get support from the labs team from nine to five, Monday to Friday on 1850-923060, or you can email labs at ncbi.ie, or again, you can uh, get in touch with the wider NCBI service at 1850-3343-53, or email info at ncbi.ie. And if you'd like to make a donation to support our services, you can also visit donate dot ncbi dot ie maybe you'd even like to sponsor one of our live events well you can do that as well by contacting labs at ncbi dot ie and that can help to keep our live events going as well just before we go a reminder of what we'll be talking about in future live events we've flagged this first one um before of course we wanted to give you plenty of notice because it's quite an interesting one coming up we're going to be talking to sky about their accessibility features and likely that's going to be in two weeks time um, that's kind of subject to change at the moment, but likely in two weeks time we'll be having that subject. We're also going to be um, talking uh, about the, the new show and tell feature and Alexa. So again, another subject that we can look forward to there. So all of those are coming up in the in the coming weeks. A reminder that our next show is next Tuesday. So that's March 23rd at the usual time of 2.30 p.m. 
And of course, if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events, as well as plenty more, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website, or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that. So all that's left for me is to thank our panel today and our guests as well. And of course, to everyone listening to and uh, from from our panel of uh, Daniel Dunn and Sean Dorn and JP Corcoran and from myself, Jude Marr. It's goodbye for now and we look forward to having you all back with us next week for another NCBI Labs live event. <laughs>